Brother Zach. Don't blame everything on Brother Zach. Amen. That's the only problem with being the sound man is you get to blame for everything that goes wrong and nobody notices if everything goes right. Isn't that true? And so we're thankful that Brother Zach is back there and doing his work. And we had 103 in attendance this morning, so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, not a fantastic attendance, but certainly a good one. And uh, those that weren't here Thursday night just want to go on record praising the Lord. The architect agreed to draw the plans for our baptistry for only $750. Give you an idea, that's about a third of what it ought to cost. And so that is an answer to prayer. Now you have to start praying that the architect will actually draw the plans, all right? Um, but... Uh, well, praise the Lord that things are moving in that direction, finally uh, getting things. I think it was August. Did we put the baptistry in the floor before you left for school? No, so it would have been September when we put the baptistry in. Uh, it's been sitting there, and I, the architect said, Now, where are you going to put the baptistry? I said, Well, we already put it in. He said, Good, and I can measure it out, and I know where it's going to go. That way it works out with what the plans work out with, so... So we praise the Lord for that. Any other praises to add to the list? Anybody have a testimony? Rosemary? Amen. Praise the Lord for answered prayers. Amen. Uh, Mariana? Amen. Frida? Praise the Lord for so many answered prayers this week and also uh, for the ladies' fellowship yesterday. One of the ladies that I brought with me was very moved and um, she sat down and within 10 minutes she just took a deep breath and she said, you know, Frida, I just haven't felt so at peace in so many years and I don't understand it. So, And I smiled when she sat back. She said, well, I, it's just a blessing to be here. Amen. Okay, anyone else? Okay, <laughs> Esther. Okay, praise the Lord for the ladies' tea and God's mercy. And if we get Esther, then we have to get Philip or they'll feel left out. So go ahead. Okay. Yes, Philip asked me a question this morning before church. How did Jesus die before he was born? And I said, uh, what, what do you mean? He says, well, you talked about Jesus being uh, dying, and now you're talking about Jesus being born. In our Sunday school, just two weeks ago, we did Jesus' death. And I said, well, these are events in history, Philip, and so we don't necessarily always cover them in the proper order. But, you know, somebody's listening, and that's something to praise the Lord about. All right, any other praises? Brother Franz. I praise the Lord. Um, I was uh, driving, uh, bringing my mom to the Spanish Christmas uh, dinner last night. Just with the section of several close calls on the FDR Drive, and uh, just driving down 2nd Avenue because it was so packed. And, I mean, those taxi drivers are really crazy. Better be careful, Zach's one of them. 
the Lord for allowing me to go on visitation with my brother for the first time uh, this past Wednesday. Amen. Amen. Now, Zach doesn't drive yellow cars, so. All right. Any other praises? Leah. Yes. She said two weeks ago, I'm going to Miami. I'll see you next spring. And they said, no, that's too long. So we're glad Leah's with us, at least for Christmas. And am I allowed to say praise the Lord, Teddy's back? And uh, anything else? Praise the Lord, it's Christmas time. And praise the Lord for all his blessings in our lives. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you that we have many testimonies of your working in our lives. Lord, we're thankful when you give us opportunities just to peek over the edge of your most perfect will and see your hand moving. We're thankful that when we're in agreement with that movement and we're thankful, Lord, when you move in spite of our agreement or disagreement with your direction, we're thankful that you're good all the time. We're thankful for your word and your provision and, Lord, the fact that you take time to hear our feeble prayers and answer them. And we're thankful that you always answer according to your will. Lord, we just want to say thank you and praise you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Franz, come and lead us in that last hymn. Fushin, we tried to print some extras and it didn't work. So we'll try to have some for next Sunday night. But please uh, bring these for the foreseeable future as uh, we are in a series now of going through our church constitution. We are going through and correcting some of the wording and updating and and uh, updating some of the things here. There's a few little paragraphs that are being uh, reworded and uh, uh, just, just cleaned up. And then uh, if you'll remember when we had our workers meeting, we had all of the uh, different duties, ushers and greeter and all of that, and we'll be at, trying to add that to the printing of the Constitution. And our insurance company also wants us to put in a few uh, provisions so that uh, uh, we are protected from people who would use the church to, um, shall we say, satisfy their pervient needs and uh, and, of course, it's, it's very sad, but there are many churches. In fact, I know very few churches that have not been uh, affected by this thing in one sort or another. Um, many churches with bus routes will get accusations and different things. And what we want to do is we want to protect ourselves as much as possible. And this little document here is one of those things. Uh, how many of you actually still have your copy at home? That's where everybody's is, all right? And and so um, we we can't just keep... Maybe what we ought to do is print uh, 10 or 15 copies and then confiscate them on the way out. And then they'll be here for the next week. We'll, Brother Mike, write that down. We'll get that done this week. And, and then we'll keep them here. We'll keep them in the back pew until we're done this series. And by the way, when we are done... 
with the whole thing, we will actually be voting to uh, uh, adopt our updated constitution, all right? And this is a project we've been talking about for uh, several years, actually. And uh, uh, Brother Shaw was very, very helpful. He has gone through this word for word, paragraph for paragraph. And he's come, Brother Montoro, did you really mean to say this? I said, no. Uh, well, then let's fix it. And, and he had lots of suggestions, and, and it is a much better document than it was. Well, uh, where we are, just to give you an update, we've gone through why the name of our church is Open Door Bible Baptist Church. It is open door because of Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. It's printed right on the doors. We want God to give us an open door. And uh, we don't claim to have much strength. We're glad he's given us the little strength that we do have. And we want to keep that until he comes. And uh, we are a Bible Baptist church and we make no apologies for that. And many of our uh, members from the Philippines, they said, oh, Bible Baptist Church, because that actually means something in the Philippines. Uh, it means certain things there uh, that it no longer really means here. And, uh, but we identify with that. We're not going to change our names because others have changed the meaning of words. Uh, we still have the same dictionary that we did when we started this thing. Amen. And uh, we're not going back on it. And then last uh, Sunday night, we, are, we entered our confession of faith and a covenant. Now, our, the covenant simply means that we agree on these doctrines. And uh, the first doctrine is the Bible. And last Sunday night, we went over what we believe uh, about the Bible. We had some visitors here, and they were hoping to start a church in Staten Island in the next couple of years. And he and his wife afterwards said, boy, I like that. She said, you said if, if uh, you don't agree with us, maybe this isn't the church you ought to be in. I haven't heard that in a long time. And, and simply what we're doing is we're not, we're not asking you to change what you believe to agree with us. We're asking you to join us because you believe. And if you don't know what to believe, well, we'll help you. Amen? Uh, that's what the church is about. And um, the Bible is the final authority of faith and practice, and we believe in a literal interpretation, but that sometimes means you have to study the history of the Bible so you can keep it in the proper setting and use the example of a penny a day and, and things. Now we're going to move on to our belief in God. And by the way, I love to ask this question because it just makes you think, what do you know about God that you didn't find out from reading your Bible? That's why we do the Bible first. You see, if we don't know what the Bible says or we disagree on what the Bible says or we don't know whether these words belong in there or not, then how do we know what words or what part of the Bible we should believe when it talks about God. How many of you remember the story of the old man on his deathbed and the preacher came over to visit and he said, he said, bring my Bible. And he handed his Bible to the preacher. And the preacher opened it up and there were pages torn out 
There were parts of pages cut out. There were certain verses that had X's marked through them. He said, brother, I said, I know you're getting ready to go to heaven. He said, but I, he said, I just, I've never seen a Bible in such pitiful shape. He said, oh, it was really good before you got here. But every time you told me this didn't belong here and that page, he said, the only thing I have left is the cover. And I was afraid you're going to take that away before I died. That doesn't happen here. Amen. It's one Bible and we believe in every word that's in here. Just had a conversation with another pastor in town and he, and he was saying different things. And I said, you know, I just believe that when you translate an inspired and preserved text that you get the inspiration in the translation, right? I mean, the inspiration comes along in the translation. His answer was, well, I'm getting more comfortable with the Textus Receptus. And I said, well, I'm glad. But there's a great gulf fixed between where you are and where we are. I'm not comfortable with this book. I believe it. And this book tells me about God. It tells me about who He is. And by the way, every modern version of the Bible wants to take out the main verse in the Bible, the simplest and most concise statement about God. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Why do they want to take that verse out of your Bible? I wish I could, well, I'm glad I can't answer that question. But I think some of it just is because people don't believe in the God of the Bible. They want a God that they can shape and form to their own image, which is the basis of all idolatry, is making a God like unto yourself. We believe in the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all-loving creator God of the universe. That's what it says about God the Father in our church constitution. And we give Genesis 1, 1, Deuteronomy 32, 4, 2 Samuel 22, 31. God is perfect in his holiness and love. His holiness sets the standard and demands that every sin, which is a breach of that standard, be paid for. His perfect love sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price, pay that price on the cross of Calvary for every member of the human race. He is the eternal, I am that I am, who came seeking man. He came seeking Adam after the first sins of the Garden of Eden, and He is still seeking souls today that He may forgive their sins and give them eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we believe about God. Can I just put it in one more sentence? God is good. Amen? We believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that He is perfectly equal with God. There is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. May I give you a quick history lesson here? People talk about the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church and, and the Church Fathers. How many of you have heard that phrase, the Church Fathers? Uh, all you have to do to be a Church Father is have lived a long time ago 
and wrote something on paper about God that we still have today. Those are the only qualifications to be a church father. Let me tell you, some of the church fathers fathered nothing but heresy. Uh, they were, if they were alive today, they would be nobodies. But because they lived a long time ago, they're very famous. Let me tell you that what the organization that became the Roman Catholic Church and the well, it start it became the Orthodox Church and then uh, split and became the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church. If you ever hear someone talking about the Council of Chalcedon, that was 451 in the city of Chalcedon, what is modern-day Turkey, this is the definitive statement on the deity of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you a, a question. If a church truly is Jesus' church, why did it take from 33 A.D. when Jesus taught them who he was and is, to 451 to figure out who he is. How in the world can that church be Jesus' church? If they didn't know who Jesus was for 420 years of their history. You said certainly, yes, they went back and forth. They would make an edict saying, Jesus is the Son of God and God in every way. And then the next year they would make a statement saying, well, he's really not completely God. Uh, he assumed full deity on the cross. And they came up with all these crazy ideas. I want to challenge you to understand history correctly and biblically. By the time, quote unquote, the church figured out who Jesus was, they had already inbred so much error that you could not find salvation in that church if you were looking for it. It was already a completely false church by 451 A.D. That's why we as Baptists do not claim our history to be part of the Roman Catholic or the Orthodox Church. Many true churches later on joined this system. But once you join the system, you stop being a real church. That's where history gets confusing. Because it was the church at Ephesus that spoke at the Council of Chalcedon. But they hadn't preached the gospel in that church in 300 years. In fact, Paul wrote to them saying, you got problems, fix them. He wrote to the churches of Galatia saying, you got problems, fix them. And I remember some of the battles that I remember being fought in the halls of the college that I was educated in. Let me tell you the truth, lost most of those battles. They turned their back on the authority of this book called the King James Bible. And now the authority lies somewhere in the vast quandary of Greek manuscripts and the minds of scholars and all of these things. I wouldn't send my dog to the college I went to. And praise God, I don't have one because it would be a bad influence on him. Every organization 
that man has had anything to do with, he's destroyed. But Jesus has preserved his church because it belongs to him and not to us. Amen? But it's our... Here's why churches go bad. It's because the people sitting in the pews stop paying attention to things like we're doing right here tonight. And they just go on and someone else comes in and it just takes a little step away and a little step away and the pastor takes a step away and the people take a step away until they're somewhere in Never Never Land. They have totally turned their back on the truth. It is your responsibility as a member of this church to make sure that everything you hear from this pulpit comes from the Word of God. And if it doesn't sound like that, then listen, there better be a knock at that office door. Uh, what was it my daughter said I did this morning? Where's Rachel's in the nursery or whatever? Oh, what did she say? Oh, I put the, birth, I put the bulletin in the birthday, didn't I? How many of you heard me say I put the bulletin in? Ah, Mr. Franz always catches me. I put the bulletin in the birthday. No, we actually put the birthdays in the bulletins. But, um, and we don't often do that, but we did for Miss Ann today. We believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son and the Son of God. We believe that He is the only price for the payment of sins that he was actually born of the Virgin Mary. Mary was a pure woman, a virgin in every sense, but Mary was not immaculately conceived. Mary had no special grace other than what God gave her to carry the Christ child. After becoming flesh and dwelling among us, living a perfect and sinless life, Jesus Christ offered himself on the cross as the only sacrifice for our sins, Jesus arose from the grave on the third day, having conquered death and hell. By the way, this isn't in our bulletin, but let me tell you something. I mean, in, in, in our Constitution. Jesus did not get the keys from the devil. He never had them. Jesus, God has always had the keys of death and hell. The devil has never had that authority because read your Bible, Jesus was crucified when? In God's mind before the foundation of the world. God had it all planned out, but he did it in time so that we could see and understand before ascending back to the Father, Jesus gave irrefutable proof of his bodily resurrection. He left the promise of his imminent return for which the believer and his church are commanded to watch. Jesus is now preparing a place for us and intercedes for us to the Father. He is approached directly through faith in his word and not by way of any personal or organization, whether past, present, or future. Jesus is our faithful high priest. We are to cast all our cares upon him and to live only in a way that would be pleasing to him. That's what we believe about Jesus. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the third person of God. He is not third in any other way than listing. 
He is a person whose chief duties are to comfort and indwell the Christians, to illuminate believers, to guide believers into all truth, to bring honor and glory to God and Jesus Christ, to seal believers until we are in heaven, to pray for believers according to the will of God, to judge the world of sin, to be the restraining force that keeps evil in check until the church is taken out of the world. Now that's a whole life of living right there. But the Holy Spirit is not a force. We don't live in Star Wars. It is fantasy, always has been, always will be. The Holy Spirit is the person, the third person of the Godhead, yet he is equal to God in every way. And we are not here to debate that. We are here to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, indwell us, and lead us, give us an understanding of God's word. There's no way that we can cover every point of doctrine in our church constitution. Otherwise, it would be so big you wouldn't be able to carry it. It's just a summary of these beliefs, and and we want to go. So we move on to the doctrine of man. Man was created on the sixth day of creation. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Adam was formed from the dust of the earth and Eve from the rib of Adam. God gave an eternal soul to Adam and to Eve. And since that day, every human being receives an eternal soul at conception. Man was created to have fellowship with God. Man was created in perfect and complete innocence with the moral ability to choose between obedience and disobedience to God and his commandments. Man transgressed and in that day died spiritually as God had warned.